Welcome back to PRSSA Podcasts. Our guest today is Mallory Blair. Mallory is the co-founder and CEO of Small Girls PR, which is a public relations firm she started in college. Today, Small Girls PR is a successful firm that works with well-known brands such as Madewell, Jack in the Box, ThreadUp, Olay, and more. The firm is known for individualized reporter outreach, creative work such as stunts and influencer marketing, and having a tight-knit company culture. Mallory has made it on impressive lists such as Forbes 30 Under 30, BuzzFeed's 21 Role Models for Ambitious 20-somethings, and PR Week's Innovation 50. Hi, Mallory. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us today. Nicole, I'm so psyched. Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, I wanted to hear a little bit from you. Would you be able to tell me about how you and your co-founder came up with the idea for Small Girls PR? Yeah, of course. Um, I was actually a lot like you and probably for anyone who's listening, a lot like you too, in the sense that I was actually in college when we first came up with the idea to start Small Girls. So I actually started it technically out of my dorm um, while still in school, thinking about what I wanted to do post-graduation. And um, two things were happening at the time. It was the rise of and emergence of social media, which sounds so crazy to think about now, but back then on Twitter, there were only a couple of celebrities, shout out to Shaquille O'Neal and Britney Spears, who were two of the first and perhaps Lady Gaga. Um, and there was no Instagram at the time. Tumblr was huge eventually, but back then my co-founder and I were two of the first probably thousand people on Tumblr. And we just thought there was an opportunity to creatively connect brands to the rising voices on these rising platforms in direct, authentic, and shareworthy ways. And so that was one piece of it. The other piece of it is probably a lot like you and whoever is listening. Um, I was a college student who was faced with a um, pretty dooms-like economy and people were not necessarily chomping at the bit to hire entry-level talent at the time as they may have been, you know, several years prior, several years after that. So I thought, let me do what I can within my control. The worst thing that happens is we start this company and it fails and I have something cool on my resume and I'll go to the market and try and get a job with that. So that is how um, Small Girls kind of came to be, if you will, the germ of the idea for it. Um, and then we were off to the races once I graduated. That's awesome. And what sets your firm apart from other firms? What sets our firm apart? There's a couple of things. I think one thing that sets us up is our operating makeup. We are both a female and minority owned firm. When you look around the PR and marketing industries, it is overwhelmingly populated by those who identify as women and yet less than a quarter of firms are actually owned by women and are reaping those profits. So when we looked around the room, we said, listen, we, we just look different. You know, my, my co-founder is a woman of color and we were both quite young and we both identified as female and all of those things we knew were the big elephants in the room when we were going up and pitching and bids for brands business. So we thought, let's address that and call ourselves small girls and 
uh, eat the dog food, if you will, by leaning into what could be perceived as difference or even arguably a weakness because we were so young and maybe that red is demure and let's just come out and own it. And that's a lot of what we encourage our clients to do still to this day, like own your difference, find your white space, lean into it, find the others, and we'll help you create and craft that sticky messaging to um, promote your brand differentiator. So that was ours. And so as a result of just our makeup, our operating makeup, we've had DEI at the heart from the start. And we're a company that's dedicated to news and servicing clients. We're also dedicated to social justice and clients that do good. So you see that throughout our roster as well. I think one other way that our firm is set apart from other firms is just our ability to come up with what is the big idea. We actually are uniquely often competing with ad agencies for new business rather than just PR agencies. And that's so strange for a PR firm where we're like, what is the stunt? What is that talkable, zany, novel moment no one's done before? That's that's like 50% of the job at Small Girls PR. I love that. And have you seen that? Um, Have you seen the fact that you guys are a a female-owned and run PR firm impact the outcomes of your work or your experiences within the firm? Yeah, definitely. I think I once looked around the room and I saw, wait, we've represented over a third of all female-founded unicorns. And if you're not familiar with the definition, a unicorn is a startup that eventually reaches a financial valuation of over $1 billion. And for a period of time, there were only a few, there were maybe less than a dozen and small girls represented a great portion of that constituency. So being able to say like, hey, takes one to no one, we're female founded as well. We can help you with your executive thought leadership. We want to support like-minded brands. I think that's something that's been really impactful with our client work. I think that was it. I think that was my answer for that. (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. What are some of the reasons that you enjoy working in a firm that may differ from working in another sector of PR, such as in-house or freelancing? That's a great question. So I have what I lovingly call interest ADD. Um, I would find it personally with my personality. I hate being bored. I always want a new challenge. I always want to adopt a new mindset. I always want to be learning and growing. And I find that an agency environment is, for me, that's the best way to do it. When you're in-house, let's say you're at a cereal brand. You are thinking, daydreaming about working on cereal day in and day out. Dominantly, you're working with food trades. If you're lucky, you get to orchestrate some partnerships that could break you into other verticals. Like if you did um, a fashion partnership or a sneaker partnership with your cereal brand, you could then go out to the fashion and um, hype beastier trades of the world, if you will. But for the most part, you're talking about food day in and day out. What I love about working in an agency is sure, you might have one cereal client, but then you also might have um, a dating app client, or you might have uh, a retail brick and mortar fashion client, and you get to really wear different hats. And that's where creativity thrives, when you're able to be thinking deeply, but also broadly. So deeply, maybe about four different brands, 
And then it creates these new synapses where you are then putting together two things that might never have been put together. So that serial client with your dating app client, maybe you do a partnership where you are um, thinking about what breakfast foods you want to wake up to together in the morning after, you know, your first night together, whatever it might be. And there's a whole campaign moment around that. That's more likely to happen when you're at an agency, those creative sparks that are a little bit unexpected or left of center and being able to just be constantly committed to learning and um, challenging yourself in new ways. Because with every new brand, you learn a new category, you learn a new set of rules, you learn a new way of working. And I think that's really pushed our employees to um, grow in ways that they weren't able to grow as quickly when they were in-house. We've had a lot of people come from in-house, including clients of ours that have joined us. Really? I always thought that typically, I mean, obviously not all of the time, but I typically thought of the path going more likely from going PR firms to in-house. I didn't think of it going the other way around, but it's sounds- a great question. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure that we addressed that. Yeah. Um, but I I think that is often the case, especially people that are more junior in their career, assuming that, oh, in-house might be easier or um, more focused. But then what we found is a lot of people who are more senior who have tried being in-house realize they either want to come back agency side or um, want to try agency side for the first time because of two reasons. One is what I just mentioned, which is the... Um, stagnancy that can come from being dedicated to only one category or brand. But the other more influential factor is that when you are in-house, you constantly have to justify the power of PR or explain what PR is because PR is just one tiny minutiae in a much broader organization that has a lot of competing priorities for resources in that organization. Whereas when you're in a PR firm and your client has hired you to do a specific scope of work, that entire 50% of your day justifying like why PR is important, even though it's top of funnel and it might not directly that same day correlate to sales. Sometimes it does, but not always, um, is eliminated. You can really focus on the work and the creativity and not explaining why the work is important. And that's what we found from the folks who have come from in-house. Interesting. I've never thought of that. That totally makes sense. And it also sounds like there's so much excitement involved in working in an agency or firm. For sure. I love that. Well, how were you able to grow your firm from a small college idea to a successful firm that works with so many large brands? How long do we have, Nicole? (laughs) I talk about this all day. Um, But I do think one of the things that really helped us that I always say, if you're in college now that you can even just start doing on your own before you're working in your full-time positions in your career, we said yes to so many things. And we thought that was really important to not restrict ourselves and say, listen, we don't know what we don't know. Let's try it all. Let's try events. Let's try what we now lovingly know as influencer. We used to call it downtown cool kid tastemaker marketing let's try broadcast, let's try radio, let's try brand partnerships. Um, But let's also try, you know, business to business, deep technology, and let's try fashion. And we really didn't limit ourselves. And that helped us figure out like where we had strengths, where we didn't, how we could refine ourselves. Um, 
but not give up opportunities just because we thought we couldn't do it. That's one part. Saying yes to everything also meant sometimes saying yes to doing favors. And sometimes those favors were for free. A lot of the time they were. And what that ended up creating was a culture of um, people and brands that felt as though they could rely on us, trust us, or try us for something with very little downside. It gave us a work opportunity um, and also gave us a relationship that we might not have otherwise had. And then 99% of those favors that we did ended up turning into paying and retained clients down the line in one way, shape, or form or referral. So that's been great. That said, um, neither Bianca nor I come from wealthy families. We started this company with $100 that we put into a bank account. And we had really a fire under our butt that if we didn't get a client, like it was a lot of ramen and fish sticks for a very long time and no holidays. So while we were doing these favors for free, we were also working for pay as well. It's not like it's one or the other. We just we're willing to put in the, you know, often 19 hour work days and just sleep and work. And that was it. And we had to do that for the first year to really get it off the ground. Wow. Sounds like a lot of hard work went in and a lot of trying to decide what's, you know, the pros and cons of doing certain things to build relationships and build up your portfolio. Totally. So with that, you've worked on a lot of different campaigns. What's been one of your favorite campaigns? Oh my gosh, this is like asking to pick your favorite family member, your favorite child. I have so many that I love. Oh, I'm sure. Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. I think a really fun recent one that we did was, um, are you familiar with the M&Ms taking a hiatus from being M&M spokespersons? Vaguely. So, you know, the um, yellow M&M, the red M&M, the green M&M. They all were put on hiatus from the M&M brand and they were free on the market to go be spokespersons for other brands or get other jobs. And so we saw this as an opportunity specifically with the green M&M who had been quote unquote laid off by M&Ms. She historically has had a lot of controversy around her footwear choices because she's an M&M that was designed with what people refer to as sexier go-go boots. This past year, she had a rebrand, if you will, where she put on low top, almost Converse looking or PF flyers looking sneakers. And uh, people got really up in arms about that. Tucker Carlson talked about it on Fox News and gave Green M&M a lot of grief. So when we saw that she was let go from M&M, we thought, wow, she's liberated to make her own shoe choices for the first time. And what better brand to pair her with than our client Zappos, who has one of the widest breadth of shoe choices in a retailer's catalog. So we came up with the idea to make Green M&M um, a freelance shoe fluencer for Zappos, dig into their depth and breadth of shoe choices, and announce that to the world right ahead of the Super Bowl, where we knew M&M was clearly leading up to a big ad spend there. So we reached out to Eminem. Uh, they were like, listen, she's free on the market. It's not for us to say, go for it. And we had uh, Zappos do a whole content campaign with the green Eminem. 
And it was a really great opportunity where we had this viral moment. Rolling Stone did an entire feature piece on the campaign. And it was the first time in Zappos history that they've actually had feature coverage, let alone mentions in Rolling Stone. So that's one example. We also got a great wave of Super Bowl coverage for Zappos without having to spend a single time on anything, let alone the Super Bowl, which as you might be familiar, is often a place where brands spend millions of dollars a year to be talked about during the Super Bowl. And we were in all of the top roundups for Super Bowl coverage without actually having to pay up for that. So that was pretty great. Wow, way to combine relevancy, um, what's going on, like current news and stuff like that and uh, creativity in that campaign. Thank you. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. Oh, I'm sure. So you've worked with both large brands and startup brands. How does building a campaign for these different types of organizations compare and differ? Hmm. I think the most clear way is that most of the time, the size of the brand really impacts the resources and the timing we have to work with. So for example, a startup that's venture backed, they might be able to turn around an idea really quickly with minimal red tape because their team is smaller, they have less layers and levels of approvals to go through, and we have much more immediate and easy access to their social platforms or their executive team. Whereas a large company, it might have a lot more stages of approval to get ideas off the ground. There might be very diverse departments that aren't as cleanly connected for us to work through. That said, a bigger company likely has long-term brand recognition. They have a lot of customer data our team can utilize in media relations, whereas a smaller brand might not have established those things yet. And that could limit the way that we tell a wider breadth of stories. So I think there's pros and cons to both. And part of the gift of working at an agency is that often our employees have the benefit of being able to try their hand at both sizes and get both experiences after enough time. Like even if you're initially staffed to let's say three to four venture backed clients, eventually, you know, within I would say a year or two, you will have one of those large media accounts to try your hand at just by the nature of working at the agency. Totally. Another pro for the versatility of a PR agency. For sure. And I know that Small Girls PR really loves focusing on their earned media. So what are some of your favorite earned media strategies? This is a great question. Um, so in terms of some of my favorite earned media strategies, I truly believe anything can be media beyond just a newspaper, a magazine, a uh, broadcast channel, the radio, a podcast. I think there's unexpected earned media opportunities. So for example, if you are a personal care brand and you're placed strategically in Airbnbs, let's say you place a body wash brand in the driest climate Airbnbs, that could be an earned opportunity if you send influencers there. You know, you gift them the Airbnb to stay at and they post about that surprise and delight. So that's like one sort of more off the wall, less directly, quickly connected example. I think one thing I'm really passionate about right now in the world of earned media strategies is social editorial. So not forgetting to work with the TikTok platforms and the Instagram platforms of media publications. So for example, working with CNN on their Insta stories or working with um, Teen Vogue on their TikTok channel, those are all things that we can't forget. We can't just be pitching 
the dot-com editors, we also have to be thinking about the holistic earned media mix. Totally. Um, those are great tactics to keep in mind for future PR uh, professionals. And I think that that and the, or your guys's, um, your guys's love for earned media, as well as the fact that Small Girls PR is a female firm, um, kind of ties into this next question of company culture. I know that Small Girls PR really pri prioritizes their company culture. So how have you seen this um, level of care impact your employees and the work that your firm produces? One thing I want to clarify is while we are a female and minority founded and owned firm, we are not a female firm because we do have people of all gender identities that work here and we encourage them to apply. I think my one regret about the name Small Girls is while that's what Bianca and I were when we started the company and um, never could have imagined we would have you know, over 75 taller smalls of all identities joining us a decade later. Um, I would hate for that to seem restrictive because we do have incredible um, men and non-binary individuals that also contribute to the daily company culture and client results. But for the other part of your question, how do we prioritize company culture and how have we seen that impact employees? We're a company that's really committed to recognizing what's happening outside our office walls and how that might impact our employees' lives. So much so that we have been a first mover in the industry time and time again when it comes to values-based policies. And I have a ton of examples of this. I think one from the past year is that within literally like 12 hours of the draft, uh, the Roe versus Wade draft opinion being leaked, we were the first PR agency to publicly announce coverage of travel and childcare expenses for any employee who might need out-of-state reproductive care. We were also the first we know of in the industry to roll out bereavement leave for employees who experience miscarriage. And what's funny is like uh, even the country of Australia and New Zealand rolled out similar policies down the line years later. Um, and so when I say first mover, like we're really thinking just because it's never been done before or someone else hasn't done it, doesn't mean we shouldn't raise our hand, recognize there's a challenge that could be impacting our employees and their personal lives that we can resolve at the professional level as well. So I'm really proud that our team um, has their ear to the ground and their hearts at the forefront and are constantly thinking about ways they can support our broader community by even suggesting these policies in the first place. Absolutely. I, I respect the way that um, your firm is look, proactively looking out for your employees and your community. Thank you. Um, I think there's other ways that we look out for the community as well that has more to do with the work. Like even if it's not happening outside our office, we're also conscious of what's happening inside our office walls as well. So this past year, for example, we launched a program called Smalls in Sync, which is a really unique program. It establishes collaborative working hours system that can help us separate time for team calls, client calls, apart from the mandated time where meetings are banned. So individuals can just focus on deep work not have distractions. And I think that's made a really significant and palpable positive impact on both employee productivity and employee mental health, being able to really um, help them pull out their best work without feeling bogged down or distracted in these set hours each day. 
Absolutely. And you've kind of talked about it from a um, more like higher up position of how you have like created this firm with that positive company culture. What are some ways that you think that individuals, um, individual professionals can impact their company's culture and make a positive work environment? That's a great question. Because it's, it's unique at Small Girls. We have actually an employee-led committee called Culture and Comms Committee, or CNC, where we have employees from all levels, all teams, all departments, all offices, able to raise their hand and volunteer after they've been with the company for a certain amount of time to pitch policies, come up with the structure, and then roll them out and educate the company and put them into practice together. But when you are short of that, when your company doesn't already have a committee like that, I think um, my advice would be to go in assuming the best, that I think often we assume the worst or that the sky is falling. But if you assume the best, assume you can make positive change. Assume that your voice will be heard if you're willing to speak up or raise your hand that sets you up for success. That like the worst that can happen is someone tells you no, if you suggest a policy or you point out a challenge the team is having and couple it with a solution. And that would be my other piece of advice, which is to always couple challenges with solutions. I think it shows your own leadership abilities. It shows your own problem solving abilities. And it also shows that you're there to be part of the solution. Even if you're like, hey, listen, I don't have an exact solution, but here's some thought starters or here's my ideas to do a brainstorm together for the solution. That looks like help. Wow. I love that committee idea to keep the firm a people-oriented organization, though. Um, and that's also great advice for individuals. So I was wondering, um, obviously, like you're saying, it's the people that make up the firm and having a good set of people is really important. So when hiring what do you look for within a candidate that lets you know that they have strong potential to thrive within the public relations industry and also be beneficial to the culture of your organization? We often find ourselves looking for candidates who have shown proactive leadership even before they've started their career. And that could be leadership in your community, in your home, uh, in your internship if relevant, in your school clubs if relevant, in your classroom as relevant. Um, it really expresses itself in a lot of different ways. But what we're looking for is people who have proactively raised their hand and said, I will start something or I will make a mountain out of a molehill or I will um, rally people around a cause I believe in. Because a lot of PR is raising your hand, at least at Small Girls, with original ideas, not waiting for the client to tell you here's what I need, but actually saying to the client, here's what I think you need, or here's an idea I have for your brand. That's really what they're paying us for is our proactive counsel to meet their goals. And then the other piece is, you know, pitching is proactive. It's reaching out to journalists. They're not going to reach out to you. So being able to feel comfortable looking at a white piece of paper or looking at an empty inbox and starting a conversation and putting um, ideas on that blank page or ideas in that inbox of a journalist. So proactivity is really important, which often demonstrates itself through seeing proof of leadership in whatever capacity in the past. 
Um, and then another thing we look for is creativity and however that might express itself. So that could be creatively approaching problem solving. It could be creativity that you started a fashion brand or you like painting in your free time. I think just so much of our work is reliant on a penchant for thinking outside the box. And so we like to see that people are already naturally inclined to be thinking that way as well. Absolutely. And I know we only have a couple minutes left, but I wanted to ask real quick, do you have any advice for young PR professionals who are looking to succeed in the PR industry? Really being open-minded um, to projects, clients, not limiting yourself and thinking like, oh, I'm passionate about beauty, so I can only work in the beauty space. We actually had someone in the reverse who thought she was passionate about tech, came to us to work in tech. We had an opportunity in the beauty space. I pulled her into my office and I was like, listen, you've been working on this tech client for one to two years now. I think it would really behoove you and your personal growth in your career if you tried putting those skills and your brain to something totally different. Just flex it. Let's try it for six months and see if it works. And she tried it. And now she's a signed, sealed, delivered beauty gal and can't imagine ever working in another category. So I think being open-minded. That's awesome. Well, Mallory, that brings us to the end of our time today, but thank you so much for joining us on this podcast and sharing all of your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been such a joy. Um, and I hope that there were some helpful tidbits here for those who are looking to start their PR career, looking to elevate their PR career and looking forward to continuing the conversation. My socials are at your pal Mal or at small girls PR. So if you listen to this and want to connect, feel free to give me a shout in my uh, DMs. Well, thank you so much. And there definitely were a lot of great tips. Thank you again to Mallory and thank you to our listeners. Stay tuned for more podcasts coming soon. <laughs>